Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Insurance Gamecast, episode 175, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. As always, but for the first time in 2020, I'm joined by Jordan. Yes, it's me, the new and improved, all new, all different 2020 version of me. And, as always, no matter what year it is, Jared, I'm glad to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, no Dom this week, but in his place, previous guest and friend of the podcast, Chris Noons. Hey, excited to be here. Uh, I'm not new and improved. I'm just like the same old, same old. Same now, old, Chris, same old. what's it like to be friends with a podcast? Uh, I don't know. Like, they don't really talk back a lot. <laughs> <laughs> they talk to you, but it's not like a really back and forth dialogue, right? It's kind of tough. This, this is true. This is true. Yeah. Um, hey, and also, you said you're not new and improved. There's something to say about consistency. You don't always this need to true. improve as long as you're consistent, you know? <laughs> now no steady dips. going along, right? Yeah. I think your beard looks better than the last time we saw you. Uh, it is. I'm letting it grow in. So... I mean, Very I'm improved. not to your standard, but, like, I'm trying. <laughs> Very Still few. I remember improved. early on in the podcast, uh, we made – I forgot what the bet was about exactly. I think it was Persona 4 or something related. But Jordan made this bet about doing something, and he said if he didn't do it, he would shave his head and his beard. And he did. Yeah. Looked like a completely different person. And then in yeah. no time flat, he was already back to all of the hair, man. That dude can grow hair like yeah. no one else. Jared, I am pretty sure that is the last time that I cut my hair and beard. Oh, wow. That must have been like, two wow. years ago at this point. Yeah, I think that's two years. Because people ask me how long I've been growing this stuff out, and I think it's been about two years. Yeah. Do you remember what the bet was? It was something Persona-related, right? Yeah, it was about for fin finishing Persona 3 FES on, uh, well, playing it on, on the PlayStation 3, but uh, it's a PS2 game. And goddamn, I don't know if I'll ever finish a Persona game, period. <laughs> yeah. I've tried, man. Like, I've played more than 20 hours of 3, 4, and 5 at this point, and I'm nowhere near finishing any of those games. What do it's I so do? <laughs> Get in a time capsule, man, something. I don't know what you can do at this point. I, mean, I like... love those games. I love the anime vibes. The music is incredible. The user interfaces are incredible. The graphic and artistic design included. And character design, enemy and monster design, the personas themselves. It's like, they're fantastic games. But even for a JRPG, I mean, they're like two JRPGs stacked into one. And JRPGs are already long as shit. So... I think even for that genre, I think there's a limit and Persona pushes way past. Speaking of things that are having trouble getting finished, uh, let's hop into the news, the rundown, the first bit of news. Dying Light 2 has been delayed. Uh, if you're wondering, hey, well, Dying Light 2, didn't it, it didn't really even have a, a, a release date, right? No, but Techland has actually moved it out of its projected spring 2020 slot, which it was kind of uh, teeing up to release a, a date later this year. They've moved it indefinitely. They stated that it would announce more on this front in the coming months. And uh, they also went on to say that this is the studio's largest game to date, which we can assume, obviously, following the success of the first game. I wanted to know from you guys, obviously, the first game had a lot of success because it released very early in the year it came out, right? It was kind of this weird date that a lot of, you know, premier video games don't tackle. We see it nowadays. Everybody kind of followed the trend of this, and it was successful because of that. Now with Dying Light 2 getting delayed, people are assuming that it's going to be coming out this fall holiday season. Would it be smart for it just to delay again into early 2021 so it doesn't have to fight all of these launch titles for next gen and all these other games like Cyberpunk and Marvel's Avengers that also got pushed to fall? What do you guys think for Dying Light 2 success? I think you know, Jared, you're... recently I've been thinking about how Dying Light 2 is one of those games where it, I just feel like I've been hearing about it forever. I've been hearing about Dying Light 2 for the longest time, and of course, right as I start thinking that, a few days later you tell me that it's delayed, so... I don't know. You you interpret that the way you want to, but I don't think that's good because I know I'm not the only one thinking that. Yeah. What were you about to say, Chris? Uh, 
it feels like a game that's going to come out around the launch of one of the consoles to me. Like you, when they talk about the fact that they're not going to have anything to say for a few months or in the upcoming months, that feels more like, hey, we're going to talk about this at E3. We might have demo to show and then leading up to the launch of either the PS5 or the Xbox uh, X, you know, they might have something to say about it then. Because as far as launch titles are concerned, Xbox doesn't have anything besides Halo. So having something else to go alongside it would be pretty nice. Yeah, so it could be one of those things where they could use more months to polish it. And, you know, we first saw this game on Microsoft stage. So maybe they were like, hey, delay it a bit. We'll give you some more backing and marketing time, right? And you can be one of the launch titles for us. Obviously, cross-gen. It'll probably come out on PS4 and Xbox One as well. Um, but, yeah, it could probably be that it's not just, like, bugs or issues with the actual development of it. But they see an opportunity to release on these new consoles the days they come out right that could be part of yeah. the issue as well especially uh, when they can showcase it exactly yeah uh th that game has a lot of interesting things too on the in terms of the mechanics of the game and how choices are going to dictate how the world kind of unfolds before you so there could be some technical stuff in the back end that is giving him a little bit of trouble as well so we'll wait and see and to your point i do think in the coming months means either one of the reveal events for the consoles or e3 right is when we're going to get the more info on the release date so We'll see. Um, this next one isn't really a news story. It's kind of a little tease that happened. So uh, last week, Joker uh, was released for Mortal Kombat 11 as one of the, the, I think, the final DLC character. And users found this neat little Easter egg in the game that when you do a mirror match between two Jokers, there's some dialogue that happens before the match. As in any NetherRealm game, you see this dialogue between characters. And for this Joker versus Joker matchup, one of the Jokers comes on screen and says, only two of us, this is an injustice. And the other Joker then comes on screen and says, wait till you see the third. So it's an obvious tease to Injustice 3. The development cycle for NetherRealm, it's the way it works is it's been... obvious tease to the three Joker deal that DC's got going in the comics, which is a headache to say the least. Uh, and... I think they're kind of dunking on the three jokers thing, but I, I'm not even going to go into what it is. <laughs> yeah. So for nether realms development, uh, the way it's worked the last couple of, uh, games that they've released is it's gone a mortal Kombat title an injustice title, a mortal Kombat title an injustice title. And they usually hit every other year. And the way it usually happens is that at either E3 or <coughs> man, the name's escaping. What's the big fighting event that happens every year during June, July Evo evo uh they do a tease there for their next game whatever one's the one coming next so this it's safe to assume we're going to see injustice through at some point this year um to the point about dying light 2 it'll be interesting whether or not it's at a console reveal as a showpiece for next gen because we're likely not getting this game till 2021 or if it's an e3 reveal um it's going to be at one of those stages it just depends which one um so interesting there it, it just <laughs> to your point, Jordan, it's funny if it is a, a double jab, right? Of like, we're teasing Injustice, but we're also jabbing at the three Joker thing. Oh, um, it's got to be, man. I mean, if, if they've been making, you know, D Mortal Kombat versus DC and both Injustice games and now a third probably, these are DC comic book guys, so they know what the fuck three Jokers is, you know? And that's a big <laughs> yeah. kind of, like I said, headache for DC comic book fans at the moment right now. So, because it's supposed to finally start coming out after all this fucking time. So that's got to be some of it. I like this for Q1. This is like a really big February title. Like this would be perfect as people gear up for like bigger titles coming out in uh, early spring. I, this would like they would be do themselves well. And, and this game would do well if it came out sometime in that like late January, early February area. Yeah, March, I think, would be a good month because it gives them enough time to market the game early in the year and then also on the back end enough time for players to get comfortable with the game so it can be a showpiece title at the Evos and the big fighting game tournaments. Um, yep. So I'm with you there. This next one, I don't know your personal relationship with Housemark, Chris, but it's one of Jordan's favorite developers. I know he, he likes these guys a lot, and unfortunately they had these things that happened with their arcade-style games not selling very well, and they had a transition to working on storm divers we have some new news on the housemark front so they say that their triple a title which was teased a couple of years ago will be revealed soon 
It is their largest and most ambitious yet. The time is drawing ever closer when our publishing partner will reveal what we are working on with the launch coming after that. They also went on to say that their Battle Royale project, which I just mentioned, Storm Divers, has been put on hold indefinitely. So Whoa, because I thought they were talking about Helldivers. I was like, you already revealed that. No, they're they're Whoa. talking about like an actual AAA game. So this is totally working outside of their they're wheelhouse. Putting Hell Divers mm. on hold, dude. That is crazy. Because they must have heard feedback of people being like, "Yo, if you're not gonna do the arcade stuff, that's okay. But maybe a battle royale is not the best idea." And they likely saw other battle royale games that were trying to get in the mix fail, right? Because as yeah. well as Apex Legends has done to cut its own piece of the pie in that there's so many other Battle Royale wannabes that just disappeared. Um, you know, Jared, they probably felt like they weren't going to reach the radical heights that they wanted to. <laughs> nice. And just so, in that press release, the conversation level feels like it's at it's going to be at one of the reveal events, so Xbox, PlayStation specifically, but like it, that's where they're going to showcase that and have them, you know, kind of, that, that's where they're going to do the reveal, I would assume. And given their history, they have a strong relationship with PlayStation, so the assumption is, oh yeah, it'll likely be a PlayStation launch title or within launch window, right? But they're not owned by PlayStation. They could partner with any publisher. Uh, so it, it's tough. I my If I was a betting man, I'd put money on it being PlayStation, you know, especially with the conversation recently of PlayStation not supporting indie games or indie developers as much as they did at the start of the PlayStation 4 console. Uh, but who knows? It might be one of these things where Phil Spencer and crew snag them. He'd be like, hey, we know you guys are good at making arcade titles. We have Game Pass. You don't have to worry about this game coming out and selling well at Jump. And we want you guys to make a game for our new console generation. You know, it could go either way, but I guess a safe bet would be PlayStation, right? You would assume anyways. Yeah. I mean, who knows what that relationship is like? You know, it, it can't be yeah. like too fucked up, but... But they certainly could have gone first party. I, I feel like that that had to be an option for them at one point. So the fact that they didn't has to say something at least. Yeah, and it's like, well, on PlayStation's end, do you think that they can create a game that is worthy of the investment in them? Not necessarily quality, but sales-wise, right? Who knows? Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested to up, see what they can do, though, because they're talented. Sorry, Chris. You might – You may. oh, no, my fault. You may end up finding out that one of these – companies decided to buy them out anyway like maybe they're not revealing True, the fact exactly. that, that's xbox or playstation Man. purchase them and, and it would be totally an xbox move because they they love digging up these small little studios and who want to just well, do their own yeah. thing and then letting them do their own thing yeah and if we're walking into ps5 with sony just adding both insomniac and housemark to their belt i don't care what xbox did as a playstation fan i'm satisfied yeah, so it works either gems. way. Those are fucking gems of a studio. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. And they're a studio that I part of me hopes that they get acquired because they've had such a troubled history with the sales of their games that I just don't want to see the studio disappear because they are so talented, you know? So we'll see what happens there. Uh, next up, we got some spicy rumors that have been corroborated Ooh. by a couple of sources. Rumors have begun to circulate that a remake to the beloved Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic is currently in development. Multiple sources have stated it's in development, but there are discrepancies between the two. Some state it's a straight-up remake of the original title, while others are claiming it takes elements from both of the first two games and combines them into a spiritual successor of sorts. The yeah. game is supposedly also going to bring KOTOR into the current-day canon. So they're going to be changing stuff, and yeah, that's, you know, it's got to be. Yeah, like the, that's why they wouldn't be doing a straight remake of the first game because they need to incorporate it into modern canon, Star Wars canon. So I think maybe where the rumor uh, confusion, I guess you could call it, comes into play is people seeing the latter version as a remake because it's like Ratchet and Clank. Uh, speaking of Insomniac. Uh, what they did on PS4. That is kind of a remake of the original Ratchet & Clank game, but it's also not. It's a reimagining, so that sounds like what they might be doing with KOTOR, and maybe some people just saw pieces of that, and they're like, oh, this is a remake of the first game. But I bet it's the, the latter of what you mentioned. And this we're all... Sorry, go ahead, Chris. 
this could totally be a Bioware redemption story. Fuck. Well, and oh. here's the thing: is well, they're maybe currently it's Bioware Austin's coming out party because they've been doing the MMO for so long. Maybe they're finally sure. ready to do um, a non MMO game. You know, I guess for lack of a better term. And that's the interesting thing: is we don't say. Let's play under the rules that this is this this is this rumor is true, right? We don't know who's developing it. Now, it can't be main Bioware because we know they're working on Dragon Age 4. Could be Bioware Austin, as Jordan mentioned. But there are some other possibilities. People assume that this game can only be made under EA, but they've been known to also license projects out too. So here's some ideas I had, just throwing them out there, okay, uh, that came to mind. One possibility you know, wait, is, is... Real quick, before you do jump on that, off the Bioware train, Bioware proper has two teams, right? Because they have... They, like technically they had the anthem team and the dragon age team and now the anthem team could be working on kotor yeah the from reports the assumption is that they unloaded most of the anthem team to help work on dragon age 4 because it is so important to bioware that they kind of folded oh, into I one studio for like the time being off, like just just like uh laid them off Oh, no, no, no. Kind of just like okay. relocated them to the Dragon Age 4 Got project. It. Got it. But that's an assumption. Who knows if they do have a team working on it, you know. So here's some possibilities. It's, it's a studio big enough for two teams. Yeah. Uh, first up, under EA, we had this recent news about DICE LA, right? Uh, Vincent yeah. Pell is taking over DICE LA. They're getting a rename. He said they want to be known as their own studio. Uh, they want to have a coming out party of their own. There is a possibility that these guys could be working on that game, right? That's one possibility. Yeah. Sure. Two, everyone assumes that Bluepoint is working on a Sony-owned property, that being like Demon Souls or something. They also aren't owned by Sony, and they could have the possibility of being, uh, you know, partnered up with somebody else. Could be Bluepoint because they have stated their next yeah. project is huge, the biggest project they have. Once again, yeah. not a super fan of that one, but it is a possibility. Been working on that one for a minute. I feel like the leak would have happened beforehand, but you never know. Yeah, who knows? And the last one, this is the most interesting one to me. Uh, if you remember, Bioware made the first KOTOR. Do you guys remember who made the second KOTOR? Obsidian. Obsidian. Yeah. I think Obsidian could be an interesting one because the original KOTOR games were very much thought of as Xbox games, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and... This would be an interesting get for Xbox to have Obsidian working on, you know, a, a new KOTOR game. It would be huge. Yeah. Some people have suggested the initiative. From the way Microsoft's talk about the initiative, their new quadruple studio, it seems like they want them to make the new, like a big new IP for Xbox, right? To me, it doesn't seem like they're going to be working on some licensed product. I could be wrong. But the way they're Matt Booty and Phil Spencer have talked about gone. it. Exactly. Or a God of War, you know, or something. Yeah. Just a new property. Yeah. So, a couple things about the studios that you mentioned. First, I want to say with Vince Zampella Studio, I think that it's going to be named after another lame-ass gaming term, just like Respawn. Um, Reload. I also <laughs> think... Exactly. I think it's going to be called, like... Waypoint Studios is probably not a thing because of the, the Vice uh, subsidiary, but something like that, right? Fast travel. Um, yes. Any more you'd like to offer up, Jared? Uh, <laughs> Estes Flask. I don't know. Estes Flask. I think that one might be trademarked, but we'll see. <laughs> um, but I do think that that is a strong possibility. Also, yeah, I don't think it's the initiative. Who was the studio you mentioned right before that? Uh, before Obsidian was Bluepoint. Or, no, 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 no. It was Obsidian before the okay. initiative. Um. I don't think we've talked about this before on the show. I do not think that even PlayStation could pull down a Star Wars or Marvel exclusive game other than Spider-Man. I know it's like, well, duh, they have Spider-Man. That's a different story. Spider-Man's his own deal. <laughs> yeah. Right? Weird. K thing. KOTOR yeah. was when notorious they... with the 360. KOTOR was like literally like the 360 coming in. That was like they were tied at the, at the hip. So I would assume yeah. it would be an Xbox. Yes, but I'm saying right now, I don't think we're going to see any more of those other than Spidey himself. He has oh, yeah. Yeah. the history with Sony. There's, sure. It's it's a, a different thing. Like Obviously, we know that he's not a full part of the Marvel studio with the cinematic universe. Long story, right? 
So, um, but yeah, I don't think we're going to see, like, let's just say Star Wars. I don't think we're going to see Star Wars, like, AAA-wise, I do not think we're going to see a Star Wars exclusive on PlayStation or Xbox. So, um, I doubt that it's Obsidian with that being the case in my mind. But I wish, or not necessarily wish, but I would be totally cool with and uh, pleasantly surprised if they, like, for some reason weren't doing an exclusive version. Outer Worlds Obsidian 2 or doing. whatever. Right, but if if it was, you know, KOTOR reboot from Obsidian, non-exclusive, that would be cool to me, but probably very much not likely. Yeah, these are just some quick ideas that I had, you know, when the news story came out. Um, yeah. I think it's most likely possibly just an EA studio we don't know about, right? Or one that we thought was working on something else, but that project got canned and now it's working on this, you know? I, just some... I could easily see this be an association with bioware austin like in like they're helping on the project kind of like how blue point comes in and takes you know finishes up or polishes up stuff and and finishes off for a lot of a, a lot of folks i i could easily see them you know bringing so, them in because of the mmo part of it they know that part they know that really well yeah. which is was the big complaint about them being left off of everything with anthem so maybe they you know yeah. make amends and bring them back in yeah i would say that if this were to come to fruition we have a, let's call it KOTOR 3 until we know it's a reboot, right? KOTOR 3 comes out. I think that you have to sunset the Old Republic uh, MMO at that point. Oh, yeah, for sure. With that yeah. being the case, with that being the case, then you have freed up Bioware Austin completely. So it's almost a perfect transition. They were already making that style of game, which is a spir spiritual successor to the original KOTOR games in its own right. So they could, you know that could be a very smooth flowing transition for them. And who's to say maybe not be it may not be a combination of some of those Anthem people plus Bioware Austin as they're transitioning yeah. Austin and move away from the MMO. It could run the gamut, you know. But I yeah. want to believe in this rumor. I think next gen if we could get Kotor again would be awesome. For me personally, yes. I found the original Kotor a little tough to get into. I've tried it a couple of times and it just it, it's it's hard for me to get into, into an RPG like that that's that very, old. Very, very much a PC RPG of its time. Yeah, and for sure. Great story, great characters, great um, handling of the Star Wars license. Uh, probably maybe the best in the video game, in any video game. And, you know, they really, like, built the concept of the old republic within star wars as well so um it does a lot of things very well but the gameplay may be leaving a bit to be desired i guess yeah and the idea that it will be a reboot or reimagining as opposed to three makes sense when you yeah. think about that you know kotor 2 came out in 2004 which is 16 right. years at this point you know Right. And you're going to be introducing it to a whole new generation of not only video game players, but Star Wars fans. And yeah. if you're going to be, you know, mixing up the canon and uh, of the game to make it line up with the actual canon that's happening in real life, uh, yeah. it, it makes most sense to do, you know, reimagining. So, uh, on a Star Wars fan note, I will just say the Old Republic MMORPG that's currently running is technically not canon. It is the only piece of media that I am aware of that started in the pre-Disney era and kept going into the Disney era but was uh, was like continuously being released, I guess you could say, but was not considered canon. You know, they weren't oh, I still I... releasing like new re new Legends novels. Those are just re-releases. Yeah. I, I, didn't the the Rise of Skywalker bring Revan in, back in when he was talking well, to... Well, they have... Uh, brought bits and pieces right in yeah bits and pieces and i yeah. think the only thing thing that brings revan in is that like one of the uh sith squadrons is named after revan right so it's like super obscure um okay. they haven't like had a full clone wars episode about him or anything like that so sure um, other than that very minor reference there hasn't been a true canon representation since disney took over wow. of anything man 
really like pre Phantom Menace. I mean, they go back a, a few years before Phantom Menace, but like 50 years before Phantom Menace, and Disney has cut itself off. And pretty much the same with like 50 years after Return of the Jedi. So I, as a Star Wars fan, truly want to see them expand out, do the Old Republic, hell, do, you know, the Dawn of the Universe, the Dawn of the Jedi, all that shit. I want to see it. And this could finally, finally be us getting that true representation of the Old Republic, which to huge Star Wars fans is a very big deal. Yeah. Give me a Destiny version, like, or something to that effect where I'm constantly getting updates, constantly getting new stuff, constant that, that doesn't deal with the Skywalker saga. Like, it would, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely That's fantastic. That's what's great about, like, Star Wars Expanded Universe. It does have its own purpose because... It, like that's what KOTOR did was it went way away from Skywalker stuff and it's like no Star Wars is cool enough in its own right that it doesn't need a Skywalker attached to it to be cool and that's where we need to go moving forward I'm, I'm with you there Absolutely. 100% Absolutely. Um, the last topic here we're going to talk about we probably won't spend too much time on it but so earlier when we were talking about Dying Light 2 and the delay we mentioned that you know the first Dying Light came out early in the year, and it was a place in which these big AAA games weren't really releasing, right? The only time we'd ever see it is when the big fall dates or winter dates got delayed into that spring area, right? Well, now we live in a day and age where a lot of these big AAA games are setting dates initially in these early year spring dates, and this year especially we saw a number of those get delayed to the fall, right? So do you think that moving into next gen, this is a question I had for you guys, this is kind of going to be the thing that we're going to have to get used to where normally we were used to these fall and winter releases getting delayed to spring, but now we're going to have to, you know, get comfortable with the fact that a lot of these big spring and, you know, summer games are going to be getting pushed to the fall. So it's kind of like a reverse of what we were used to for so many years. You think that's a fair yeah. point there that we should expect that? It could be. It could yeah. happen. It could happen. It could happen. What movie uh, is that from, Jared? What movie? And the big, the big reason it, it might be an issue is that, unlike games getting delayed from the fall, winter to the spring, there's not a lot of game releases. These spring and summer games are getting pushed into an area where we already have a ton of game releases, so it could drastically affect sales and dictate the success of some of these games that push themselves as AAA, but aren't going to sell like a Star Wars game or a Call of Duty or a Rockstar game. You know, just something to so chew on. I thought. One, they're not just being pushed into the big bad fall. They're being pushed into the fall with a console launch on top of it. Um, Specifically this year, yeah, for sure. Right. And then second of all, what movie is that line from, Jared? It could happen. It could happen. God, you're stumping me. Uh, It's a little kid. It's like this. It's like this. It could happen. Is that Little Rascals? Close-ish. Close-ish. Big Daddy? Angels in the Outfield. Oh, man. God, I have. I think I saw that movie once in my life. <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt, right? He's the he's the main kid. Not that kid with that line. That's his, like, foster brother that says the line. But I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the main kid. As far as yeah. these delays, I it's really feel like it's... it's <laughs> <laughs> Changing subjects, Chris. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I feel like the delays are they're pushing for the extreme of the, the new Xbox and the new PlayStation and having to back compat these so that the graphic levels are dummy down. I'm not dummy down, but lower than, you know, PC specs versus like an X is yeah. making it difficult for them to do so. So I, when they're I don't think they're pushing it in order to get to the next gen. I think they're pushing it because they're trying to back it into the old gen. Yeah. Well, and to your point, this doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like something that's going to maybe continue going on for years and years because the difference between a game releasing towards the end of spring and releasing in the fall and getting delayed is that when you delay a game out of spring, you it has drastic consequences on that company's fiscal year because most fiscal years end in the Mayish area, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for for Square Enix specifically. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake got pushed out of their fiscal year, which is huge. They had to send a message to their investors saying, like, yeah, that game that we thought was going to make a bunch of money right at the end of our fiscal year is actually going to make a bunch of money at the beginning of our next fiscal year. And obviously investors weren't too happy about that. The Avengers delay wasn't 
uh, as bad because it was already out of that fiscal year, right? So now uh, their fiscal year for 2020-2021 is going to be boosted by Final Fantasy VII, but the numbers for this current fiscal year are going to be down drastically from what they assumed they were going to get because of the delay for Final Fantasy VII Remake. That's the one that's kind of huge. Um, yeah, it's... There was a rumor this week, speaking to your point about performance, Chris, that the reason Cyberpunk was delayed is because it, in quotes, it ran garbage on PS4 and Xbox One was the headline going around the internet, right? So, sure. it's it's it interesting. Garbage. It's, the, the, the problem with it is, I just don't want some of these games, like A Dying Light 2, to get delayed into the fall, and then we see it doesn't even track on MPD because, you know, nothing against its actual quality of the game, but when you have Dying Light 2 and Cyberpunk coming out on the same day, how many people are going to buy Dying Light 2? You know what I mean? Yeah. So Yeah, this is true. Well, that yeah. was what made the first game successful, is that it came out in the dead zone. Exactly. And it also That's had the high quality, so it was like, nothing is around, this is a must-play game, snag it, yeah. you know? Snag so, it. Snag it. Let's hop into what we've been playing. Uh, I'll go first. A couple of games I wanted to talk about. The first one being, they're actually both Game Pass games. Shout out to Phil Spencer uh, for Xbox Game Pass. The first one is a game we had previously talked about, Jordan and me possibly wanting to check out, which is Remnant from the Ashes. It's a third-person, you know, action-adventure game. It's, you know, the easy comparison is it's very Souls-like, but it does have guns and shooting. It's procedurally generated with enemies and worlds. So, say, Chris, you and I both are starting this game up. There's a central hub that's the same to both of us, but the moment you load into that first world, you could have uh, either a different setting or different enemy types or a combination of both, right? And those enemies specifically could have different attacks. They could have different typings to their attacks. So they could be like poison or flame. So it makes every playthrough different. I'm maybe six hours in. This game is difficult. It punches you in the teeth, but... It has the games-as-a-service hook of your armor and guns and everything always going up. You always have improvement. Uh, you're always upgrading everything. You're you're figuring out enemies and trying to see what the best approach is. But it doesn't hold back with its difficulty. You can get overwhelmed very quickly in this game. It throws you into these worlds and it expects you to just adapt, which I think it's good and bad depending on the type of player you are. If you're somebody who approaches Bloodborne or these, you know, from software games and you like to sit back and understand an enemy and then attack them, you're going to have a difficult time because it's just in your face nonstop. There's once you get into, you know, a situation with a ton of enemies, you don't have a lot of time to think. It's more about act. And there's three different classes you can start the game with. There's a melee focused class. There's a mid range class, which is. You know, you have a decent gun that shoots mid-range and you have an okay melee weapon. And then you have your long range, which has like no melee weapon, but like a long distance rifle, right? I went with the Hunter, which is like the middle class, just because I wanted to get a decent experience with both the melee combat and the shooting mechanics in the game. I love a balanced character. It's it's fun. I don't know if this is going to be the type of game I'm going to want to run multiple uh you know campaigns with because i don't know how long the campaigns are i'm assuming based on the way the game's mechanics and it's uh it's just the way the, the way the levels are set up and how each playthrough can be different i'm assuming they went for a shorter campaign right so you can get through in maybe six ish hours and then if you want to hop back in i'm assuming there's a new game plus mode the character creator is pretty cool i'll have more to say out in the future but i'm enjoying it it's it's definitely not like a world-class game by any means, but I do think it's a fantastic Game Pass game. And if you're at all interested in 3D action-adventure games with Souls-ish type combat or even just into shooters, I think it's a definite try, um, which is one of the best benefits of Game Pass is that you could just download these games, check it out. If it's not for you, you know, get rid of it. So, this... sorry, real quick, just one question. Okay. If I'm doing the melee stuff, Am I going to get the Bloodborne vibe that I'm looking for in a Souls-like? No. I would say it's not as clunky and not great as like an, uh, a Bethesda melee, but it's not as crisp as like a From Software. It's somewhere in between. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's not as satisfying. I'll I mean, say shooting in this game is much more satisfying. Nobody can make a From Software game like fucking From Software, dude. Just nobody can do it. The closest is uh, Team Ninja, but probably the only reason they're able to do that is because From Software was emulating them off of the Ninja Gaiden series when they were making the original Dark Souls. Yeah. Um, the second game is a game that's much shorter. Are you guys familiar with Minute? M-I-N-I-T? Yeah. Yeah. So Minute is an adventure puzzle game. It's black and white pixel art. And the hook of the game is that the character lives for 60 second spurts. So you leave your house, which is your save point. And for 60 seconds, you can explore the world and then you respawn back at your house. The way they get around this is certain points in the giant map are other home bases. So when you enter that place, that'll be your respawn spot, right? But you're going around this world trying to solve what's going on and the way it works is it's kind of like a tiered system of once you get this item you can unlock this area it's very zelda like right then you use that area to kind of find what the new item is to unlock this new area and there's fetch quests for certain characters um there's it rewards exploration really well has pretty funny dialogue in the game the music is really astounding one playthrough for me took uh i think i clocked in at 72 minutes so that was me exploring a little bit and checking out some of the optional stuff, but heading towards the end without me knowing it. There's achievements in this game for like finding all of the items and checking out these optional areas. It's really cool. It's definitely like a speedrunner type game where if you really love this game, you're like, let me see how fast I can beat this game. My last time was 38 minutes. I think I can cut that down, right? But for somebody who's not necessarily into speedruns too, it's it's cool because it's like, okay, what can I do with this 60 seconds? And then you figure out, oh, okay, I just got this water uh, this water bottle. What can get watered in this world? Oh, there's this like weird farm area where there's this specific little plant that seems like it's not growing. Let me water that. Oh, I can only water it once every life. So then uh, like, okay, I spend you know 15 seconds watering that thing, go and check out something else, then respawn, go and water it again. Uh, you're rewarded with additional hearts for your life, additional items. There's <laughs> there's enemies that you can't kill intentionally. Yeah. And it's just that way it's like, oh, you need a reset. You have 20 seconds left, but what you want to go do is going to take 60 seconds. We'll give you an out here with this person you can't kill. They'll kill you for you. You know what I mean? So you don't have to wait out the 20 seconds and then respawn and then do what you want to do. You can't just hit reset. It's, it's really cool. Once again, like with Remnant from the Ashes, I think it's a great Game Pass game because A, it's not a huge time commitment, and B, for this game specifically, you'll know if you're down with it the first five minutes you're in. Once you get the first gameplay loop, if you're like, I'm not feeling it, you're not going to like it. But for me, I went in thinking, I'm going to try this game. I've heard it's really neat and cute and fun, and it just hooked me because I got into that mindset of like, Oh, how far can I get in 60 seconds? What can I discover? What can I, you know, who can I talk to? What do they need from me? It's just a fun time. Like, if you have Game Pass, download this game, check it out. Like I said, if you love it and you play through it, you can finish this game in like 60 minutes, which is also, it's, it's a great feeling to finish games. You don't need to finish games, but when you enjoy a game and you're able to finish it that quickly and you don't have to invest all of this time, like Jordan was saying with Persona, right? You don't have to invest 100 hours into a game to finish it you can get through it in, in an hour. I, I just really enjoyed it. The art style is cool. Like I said, the music, awesome. So, not oh, much yeah. else to say. Cool. Chris, what do you so, got for us? Chris, or I guess yeah. Jordan, you what can you go got? if you want to go. No, Chris, I was actually going to say, Chris, tell us what's up. Oh, <laughs> I, uh, I've i been playing two different games. Uh, I started a short hike uh, only because um, of Alex Van Aken um, talking about it so much. and then I Shout out to like, Alex Van Aken, OK Beast. Yeah. Yeah, okay, Beast. I was just like, I need something that's not like so time-consuming that I can just hop in and hop out, and this game has been fantastic. Kind of that Animal Crossing vibe, really short. It, it's not very expensive either, which I liked. If I could interrupt you for a second. Sorry I'm mm-hmm. ignorant. Is okay, Beast going to continue now that Blessing's on Kind of Funny? Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. going to be Alex Van Aken and Brandon. Uh, his dad, I think? Mm-hmm are going to be continuing it. And they also have Ian, who's also part of it. 
Yeah, Alex's father. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and he had talked this game up quite a bit, like way, way early in this uh, year, and I just got around to it now, and it was like, all right, I I had been away from games since uh, Jedi Fallen Order, so I took a, a quite a okay. a bit off. I just kind of was burnt, and I just wanted to like take some space, and this was the first Word. game, it, and it was awesome. Like it was awesome to hop back in and like enjoy it because of just for the. The graphics were really simplistic. The music's really cool. It like it had that really big, like I said, Animal Crossing vibe, and it was just kind of what I was looking for. Uh, and then at Christmas, obviously, I was watching The Witcher with most people and got just the bug. And I've been playing The Witcher three now. I think I'm about twenty hours in. Um, the only thing that I don't care for about The Witcher three is for me because I don't play RPGs very often. It was complicated to get in for me to understand the gameplay and on and the alchemy and the potion and all oh, of that yeah. stuff oh, is not yeah. something that I'm accustomed to. And I've had to watch probably a good hour to two hours of YouTube videos kind of just re-explaining different ways to look at it and how to like spec your, you know, your Witcher out and all that other stuff. But now that I've done that, the story part of it is just off off the chain. It's it's unbelievable yeah. to me like and, and how well it's done. And then how much yep. it relates back to the show, which was great. And it's now caused me to listen to the books on take two. So. <laughs> the show takes an immense amount of influence from the games, even though it's just adapting the, the books. It's not adapting sure. games. But it's still, I mean, Henry Cavill himself takes a lot of influence from, uh, I'm not off the top of my head, I don't know the voice English voice actor for Geralt, but... Um, yeah, going between the two, I'm sure you can see a lot of similarities. I'm not. A, I don't like to play super long games, but um, as I was telling Jared, like I finished uh, playing Odyssey and like to completion mm. every single possible thing you could do, including the DLCs. And so I looked at myself and I was like, well, I guess I can put like 120 hours into a game yeah. if I really <laughs> if like. If you it. love it, yep. Yeah, and so I feel like. Right now, with all the games being pushed back, for me, the next game that I'm even remotely interested in is going to be The Last of Us 2. So I have time to delve into this game and, and take it in chunks and not be, like, hard-pressed to complete it right away. Yeah. I will and say, I, I, I did that thing of every single piece of content in this game you can experience. I tried to experience in Witcher 3, and it was a lot. It's over 200 hours, but... yep. If you happen to go all the way in, you're not going to regret it. Well, I'm excited because I got it for on PS Plus. It was 14.99, including the DLCs. So I'm like, you know what? I, I had, so I already much. had it on Xbox, and I have it on PC too. But I like the PS controller. Like for some reason, that controller for me yeah. is very like home. So I bought it, and I was like, well, for you know, three more bucks, I can get both of the DLCs. Those are that's like another 70 hours worth of content. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to it's also on Game Pass. <laughs> Once again, another yeah. Game Pass game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's just really cool that a TV show can have a game get the type of resurgence The Witcher 3 did, where it had the most concurrent players it had had since, or more than what it had at launch, which is astounding. I'm right there with you Absolutely. with the bug. I'm six episodes in to the show. Still got two more to go, but it's one of those things where I don't know if I just want to wait until cyberpunk to get my cd project red fix you know what i mean sure. and i have some other games i want to jump into it's tough man but i don't blame you for hopping in you were among a lot of people who decided to do the same thing so yeah yeah also i finished the first episode of picard today and i was super pumped like i thought i i enjoyed it i thought it was really well done i'm not a huge fan of all the previous like star trek stuff but Watching it gave me Logan vibes, and so I was like, I could sit and watch the next seven episodes of this and be mm. pretty content. Nice. I have no, like, familiarity with Star Trek, but, you know, he, he's such a good actor. Like, I might even just tune in just to check it out for that fact, you know what I mean? Especially with you it's saying that it gave you Logan too. vibes. I'm like, oh. Yeah, you can get CBS, uh, the CBS for free for a month. So you can watch the first four episodes if you want to dip out, dip out. If you're interested, stick around for five more bucks and finish out the rest of the season. I've actually been wanting to try Star Trek Discovery, too. I like sure. the um, the lead actress in that. She's from Walking Dead. Forget oh, yeah, her yeah, name yeah. off the top of my head. But it's also been, you know, I've gotten some good recommendations on the show's quality and stuff. So, yeah, Star Trek. I might want to dive in sometime soon. Jordan, we haven't talked to you on the podcast in a couple of weeks. What have you been getting up to these sure, last yeah. couple of weeks? Well, since we were just talking about The Witcher, I'll hop on that real quick. Um, I would like to say that uh, this series that I've anticipated 
heavily for years now. Uh, definitely paid off for me. I think it's certainly has its fair share of flaws. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm head over heels for it, but I was absolutely satisfied. And uh, as a book reader, not just a game player of The Witcher, uh, I was mostly uh, pleased with how they adapted things. There are certainly certain aspects, certainly certain aspects uh, <laughs> that I would... Uh, that I wish that they uh, maybe honed in on a little bit more, gave a little bit more time and detail to, but for the most part, I think it was successful, I guess is the best way to put it. And it's certainly been successful for Netflix uh, from their perspective because it's had, I think, 70-something million uh, individual accounts watch it in its first four weeks, so... It's, you know, one of the most watched things ever on Netflix at that point. And uh, obviously that's great for us fans. We're also getting the uh, anime, the the Witcher anime on Netflix now, I guess because of that. Probably in the works before that. But um, I was mentioning in our chat that I've, for a very long time I've wanted to see collaboration between um, creators of Western fantasy and uh, creators of Eastern anime, you know, Japanese anime, essentially, whether it's uh, Korea or Japan. And so now we're, we're getting a Korean studio in Studio Mir, who did uh, The Legend of Korra, one of my favorite series of all time. And we're getting, you know, this, this Western fantasy with The Witcher. And it's something that I've wanted to see for a very long time, that collaboration. And it's not something that we get very often. So I'm hoping that this is just the origin point for that stuff but the fact that it's between uh, a studio that did one of my favorite anime I would call it anime uh, in Legend of Korra and one of my favorite franchises in The Witcher I am over the moon about this uh, little anime film that they've got going on so very excited about that did not hop into the uh, Witcher 3 since I've, uh, like I said, experienced the absolute fuck out of that game. Um, so what I did was I decided to hop back into the books for a reread, and I'm very glad that I did. Um, there's also, I just read the interstitial book for the first time, The uh, it's called Season of Storms, um, which takes place during the first short story collection of The Witcher. So... Uh, that was obviously brand new to me and I enjoyed it. It was, it's an interstitial, you know, it is what it is, but it's a fun little adventure with Geralt, uh, regaining his swords after he's lost them. So, um, really enjoying the Witcher books. They are top tier fantasy, uh, books in my opinion and would recommend them to a lot of people. I will say as with the games, they are also very dense. They are not something that is, uh, maybe widely accessible definitely something that is uh, takes a little bit of uh, gumption when you're jumping into it uh, to just know that, that it is uh, upper echelon type of fantasy um, and, and would you and say that it's as said. would you say it's as dense as like Game of Thrones dense or maybe a little less so because well, Game of Thrones Game is of really Thrones, dense to get in Game of Thrones is a different kind of dense it's to me the books a Song of Ice and Fire books are boring dense. I think that there's a lot of cool stuff in those, and that's why I listen to them on audiobook, but I could not, I can't read them just straight up, right? Sure. The first book is just pretty fun. It's a lot shorter, but the Witcher books are adventures. They are fun. They are enjoyable. It's not dry and dragging on these conversations between talking heads. Like, it is meant to be fucked up fairy tales and they have a lot of fun with that so it is extremely dense a lot of philosophical and psychological stuff going on but it is not not uh uh dry or um tasteless in any way it has a lot of flavor to it, it has a lot of fun and, and goofiness a lot of jokes um so from that aspect it is more accessible because even though there's a lot of high concept shit going on it's still countered by goofiness with Dandelion, sure. for example, or um, generally just not taking itself so seriously. Okay. So from that aspect, 
very enjoyable books and very readable from that aspect as well as well as the other book that I hopped back into Jared you'll be happy to hear this for the third time now I'm reading The Silmarillion by Mr. Tolkien himself hell yeah yep. rest in peace to his son so, who recently passed away yeah man uh, that probably had something to do with uh, me jumping back in that being on my mind because Christopher Tolkien is uh, the one who compiled all of the Silmarillion to get it published once his father had passed on so now that he has passed he recently in the last 10 or so years took three stories from the Silmarillion and published them in novel format an expanded novel novel uh, version of them from the Silmarillion um, so I can't wait to jump into those those are going to be great as well but the Silmarillion itself is <laughs> Chris you want to talk about dense it is yeah. as dense as it gets it is sure. mythology played out in the form of a book right um, but nonetheless it is beautiful it is um, fantastical and it is something that I very much enjoy regardless of its density and what I did this time around, since I've read it, and finally, I feel like if you're a big enough Lord of the Rings fan or Middle Earth fan to jump into the Silmarillion, then you just need to read it once to get through it and to kind of start to wrap your mind around it. And then you can try to reread it and you'll be able to really enjoy yourself. I enjoyed it the first time, but not nearly as much as my rereads because you can get over the fact that it's written in such a way that it's almost like reading the Bible. So, um, now I don't recommend most books uh, if I only think they're going to be truly enjoyable on the second go-around, but I think with this one, like I said, if you're a big enough Middle Earth fan to jump in, then it's worth the second try. And what I did this time around was I've actually been reading it to myself out loud, and it is fairy, it, not fairy tales, but it is tales, you know, and it is so much more enjoyable hearing it read uh, now it's me reading it right but hearing it read and not just in an audiobook format for me it feels like you know when you were a kid and your parents would read you like I said a tale um, and the reason I use that term specifically is because there's something there's a certain feeling to that word right what is a tale t-a-l-e um, and this tome that I'm reading certainly has uh, an abundance of tales so uh, reading it aloud to myself has been one of the most enjoyable experiences I've ever had with a book and I I, I think I might do that with the entire Lord of the Rings uh, saga I guess you could call it with The Hobbit and all that so um, that for his kind of almost like I said biblical writing style um, a lot of people find it really hard to get into because he's talking about this person bore this son who met this girl and they had this child and this child met this kid and then they had this kid and it's like wow this is just like the bible it's just as boring as the bible or you know reading lyrics of a song that they're singing every other fucking chapter it can get tough for people but i think that having it as like this oral tale that is being told um to you in person is a really interesting way that i've found to do it so i want to shout out that as well as what I've been putting on in the background while I read, which is the officially released ASMR by the Pokemon Company on their YouTube channel. It is a 30-minute long video of Charmander sleeping next to a campfire, and then as the campfire goes out, he has to relight it with his tail flame. And oh, cool. it's one of the most adorable things that I've ever seen, and I just put it on loop, and I put it in the background, because I, I also like having a fireplace on YouTube going in the background when I read, especially like fantasy novels. I think that uh, creates an ambiance, I guess you could say. But uh, this specific version, I've just fell in, fallen in love with because uh, Charmander is just so damn cool. And it's like, uh, <laughs> Jared, it's a, it's a perfect HD model of Charmander. It's like, Wow, this is what a Pokemon game could look like, and you actually made it. This is official Pokemon content, you know. God, the so. the when Ash finds Charmander in the anime, and then you know the Futurama dog episode, 
those two things just shouldn't yeah. exist because they're so heartbreaking. Like just these people dude, forgetting about their their pets, shit. dude. Just like, oh, it's you're leaving weird. them dead. Isn't it weird how much uh, content that is clearly made for children is utterly heartbreaking, like gut wrenching, <laughs> yeah. heartbreaking, stomp on your soul type of shit? Where it's like, you're putting this in front of children. I can't even handle it as an adult. Yeah, like especially like the Rugrats dealing with their parents having like you know uh, emotional breakdowns and oh man it's, it's crazy uh did you manage yeah. to did you play anything or have you just been on this this book kick uh, i've been reading a lot of books been reading a lot of comics been watching a lot of movies been watching some a little bit of tv here and there plenty of anime huge shout out to space dandy which is basically just a warped version of cowboy bebop by the same creator 15 years later i've uh, been going through watanabe's different anime series um and uh besides cowboy bebop because i've seen it multiple multiple times but a uh, huge shout out to space dandy it's irreverent it's goofy fun beautiful one of the best looking anime i've ever seen shout out to bones who also did the best looking anime i've ever seen called full metal alchemist brotherhood but anyways i digress haven't played any games, Jared. <laughs> uh, Space Dandy. It's on my need-to-watch anime list, which is ever-growing along with everything else. So you recently, I don't know, fell in love is the right term with Cowboy Bebop? If it's the right term. That show is like, yeah. it's one of, it's just it's one of those very few things that is hyped and hyped and hyped and hyped and hyped, and it matched yeah. it exceptionally. Like, it's, it really it's incredible. Yeah. Does. And Jared, I'll tell you what. Watanabe, that creator, is that level of hype matched because you got Cowboy Bebop, you got Samurai Champloo, my favorite anime, then you got stuff like Kids on the Slope, a music anime, which I'm not usually into, but it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen, and you got Space Dandy, which takes Cowboy Bebop and literally just sticks its middle finger in the face of that show and flips it on its head and screws with it and fucks with it and makes a big joke out of it, and it's in incredible and he just he makes masterpiece after masterpiece i i've go, i've started going through series by series chronologically or uh by release date i guess you could say and um they're all masterpieces they're incredible so i can't wait for you to get space dandy since like i said you recently fell in love with its kind of uh spiritual predecessor cowboy bebop before we close out, I wanted to say one thing, Jordan. I think retailers around the world want to break your heart because there's a new oh, rumor yeah? that popped up. Uh, a couple of retailers listed Sly Cooper 5. Um, obviously, totally yeah. unconfirmed that that game exists. But, like, yeah, Ooh. so they're playing with you. You know what, Jared? <laughs> I'm feeling this weird, weird vibe. Since you brought it up, I'll go on the tangent. I'm feeling this vibe that we might get Sony to go into this like hey with ps5 you guys can do weird shit insomniac if you want to be making ratchet and clank games on the side with your AAA spider-man stuff go ahead sanzaru you want to pick back up sly cooper go ahead naughty dog you're not doing jack we'll give it to somebody else i think we might be getting these these platformers from the ps2 back because the ps4 we got the ps1 platformers back right yeah. So then you shift forward a generation on the PS5, we'll get the PS2 platformers back, which is Sly, mm. Ratchet, and Jack. Hopefully. Man, it's... They've given Media Molecule such a long leash to experiment. It'd be nice if they let some of their other studios Phew. do the same. Yeah. Shout out to Dreams. And, and, so Sony, creatively, I will say, it seems like they are very understanding creatively it seems like they really try to give their studios the creative freedom and just general creative experience that that they know is desirable you know so yeah shout out to them. that's been it for episode 175 thank you chris for joining us if you can please let the good people know where they can find you uh find me at uh topher noons t-o-p-h-e-r-n-u-n-e-s on twitter nice Thank you guys for listening. If you can, please go over to iTunes, leave us a review. definitely helps us out. If you head over to YouTube, search Controlled Interest will pop up. Subscribe. Hit the bell notification next to that subscribe button. lets you know when we upload a new video because YouTube sub boxes are fickle and you can't trust them. 
Mm. Yeah, hit the like button too if you enjoy our episodes. It helps in the algorithm there on YouTube, the dreaded algorithm. Algorithm. On Twitter, you can follow the podcast account at Controlled Interests. It's at C-T-R-L-I-N-T, Controlled Interests abbreviated. You can follow me at Jared underscore. You can follow Jordan at Mellow Modus. You can follow Dom, who's not with us this week, at Dom's Oreos. And, uh, yeah, Chris, you can follow if you enjoyed him on the podcast. We'll have him on uh, hopefully a couple more times throughout the year. I want to get you back for E3. You were with us for last year's E3, right, Chris? I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was really awesome. One, yeah. You can follow him once again at Topher Noons. That's T-O-P-H-E-R-N-U-N-E-S. We'll catch you guys next time.